Hey guys, welcome to the Behavior Tech's Anonymous podcast. I am your host, Ms. Ashley, and I'm a behavior tech. Let's reinforce some of my behaviors. Hello, and welcome to Behavior Tech's Anonymous. My name is Miss Ashley, and I will be your host. And today we have a special guest. Her name is Miss Lexi. Go ahead and say hi, Lexi. Hey, Miss Ashley. Thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. Thank you for coming. Thank you for coming. Um, so just kind of let's just start off and like, I don't want to be like, tell me about yourself, but I guess like, so you were an RBT or you are an RBT? I was an RBT. Um, I started in the field before it was really considered ABA, um, but I started off uh, at 18 working with like the uh, MRDD population mm-hmm. um, and then eventually kind of found ABA throughout uh, working in DD. Okay. That's cool. Um, so what did you, I guess, like, what did you do when you were working with that population? Like, Give me, give me like a roadmap, step by step, like yeah. So it was basically okay. So it was basically like, um, like a hab center. Um, so part of it was like a workshop. Uh, so individuals would come in and they'd assemble things, or they would uh, uh, categorize things, um, and they would get paid like a certain amount of money to complete these jobs. So like we had one guy that was uh, higher functioning um, that would assemble flagpoles. Okay. Um, and then we had like another guy that would like sort chess pieces. So it varied depending on their levels of functioning. Huh. That's cool. Yeah. Hmm. So um, I also... It was the same, um, it was the same job, but I did like multiple things within that job. So, um, I worked at a workshop. Um, I worked at Broadmoor school, uh, which is a school for, um, individuals who are developmentally delayed. Hmm. Um, you can start as young as four, um, until 22, 24 to 22. That's a big age range. Um, Yeah. Yeah. So there were all kinds of like different levels of functioning uh, within that school. Okay. Um, I also worked at this place called the, oh God, was it the Imagine program? And those were all uh, individuals with low functioning autism. Hmm. Um, It was basically kind of like a daycare Uh, They had workstations set up, and I'm using air quotes, but they didn't get paid for them. Oh, great. So it was just like like free labor? (laughs) Well, maybe. I guess depending (laughs) on how you looked at it. Yeah, maybe. Um, But like they had like some guys would like cut up paper. Okay. Uh, Other guys would shred. So they had like different little workstations, but they just didn't get paid. Probably because at that time, the Imagine um, the Imagine program was fairly new. Um, I assume it was funded by the board of DDE, uh, but I just don't think they had a lot of funding to be able to pay the guys. Right. So it was more of a daycare. Okay. Well, it was nice for them to give them something to do. 
Yes. Yeah, yeah. Well, and that the Imagine program was more for um your low functioning, like violent guys. Mm-hmm. Um, so really unfortunately, people who didn't get ABA. And I mean, I think at a young age, and I think we kind of have an image in our head, especially working with the population of what that looks like as an adult. Yeah. Um, and not getting ABA as a kid. So, but then again, the resources weren't there, the funding wasn't there, the research wasn't there. So we've we've come a long way since then. I think people forget how new ABA is. Like yes. how, how newly widespread it is, I guess. Yes, yes. And even kind of like the concept. So like back when I was working um with people with developmental disabilities, I mean it wasn't called ABA. It was, I, I don't even know what it was called back then, but it wasn't ABA. It was, that's not what they called it. I mean, so this was a while ago. And I think like as a field, I think we've grown a lot. I think we've had um, a lot more research, you know, but just like there's a lot of pros to something new, you know, there's even amounts of cons and how people view it and their perspective and whatnot. Yeah. I agree. Um, and there is like a lot of controversy over it. And I do feel very bad for those that have like suffered like the abuse of ABA, um, yeah. like in the past when it was like brand new and stuff. But yeah, yeah. Anyway, anyway. So that's cool. So then from there, like, I just want to know like how you found out about being an RBT, I guess. Like, because for me, like, I just kind of like fell into it. Like, it just kind of happened to me one day. Yeah, um, I remember the first time I heard about ABA, and I was actually working night shift um, at, yeah, at a developmental center. Um, But it was state ran, and I mean, I guess we don't need to get into all that, but (laughs) you can imagine. We Um, can. (laughs) So I actually heard about ABA through one of the cues on the house, which was basically a a house manager. Okay. Um, She worked nights, too. Um, and she had given me a compliment that I was good with, you know, people with DD. And I was like, oh, wow. I used to work, um, at Deepwood. So I had a lot of experience prior to coming to Warrensville. And she asked me if I had heard of ABA and I had no idea. Um, none at all. So I stuck out that job and kind of was like researching ABA while I was still there. I stuck it out for about a year and a half and then third shift is hell. So I left, um, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well, I don't blame you. That would be too. Yeah, third shift is, is awful, man. That's just so bad. Um, and your body is never the same afterwards. I have like permanent eye bags forever, right. ever. Um, so upon writing my resignation letter, I had already kind of had a job lined up for ABA. Um, I was really excited about it just because of the psychological research behind it. And I was yeah. like, this is something I could get behind. Like I already, like, I love psychology. I love human behavior. I love knowing how to help people ad- adapt in certain situations and understand their behavior. I'm like, mm-hmm. this will be cool. Um, So I did a year at um, Epicenter. Um, and it came really, really naturally to me. Um, I was kind of surprised at how well actually sounds kind of crazy when you put it this way, (laughs) but how well I was good at controlling an environment. Yeah. Um, and that just kind of stuck with me, which I don't know. I mean, I I don't probably says some weird 
stuff about my personality, but um, <laughs> I just, I, I had a good foundation and understanding for ABA. And mm-hmm. I guess I could connect with the kids and kind of speak their language, I guess, so to speak. Yeah. Um, so I basically, I did ABA for, I mean, if you're in count, if you're, if you're counting Deepwood experience, almost 10 years. Um, so I really watched the field like, morph and change and Mm -hmm. I saw things that I was that I really liked and then I saw things that I really didn't like um Mm -hmm. so yeah Yeah. no that's cool I definitely um understand like the being able to like control an environment because like that was like one of the things that I just liked about I guess working with kids which I it does sound bad when I say it when I'm like yeah I can Mm -hmm. control these kids but like I just, I had good instructional control, you know, like I taught, I taught preschool. So I had 12 to 16 little tiny humans following me around. And I was like, I can do this. This is fine. Yeah. Yeah. And then absolutely. They were like, well, if you work here, you're going to be one-on-one. And I was like, easy peasy. Well, and it's kind of cool because, you know, I don't want to use the word manipulation, but I use it in a positive way. Yeah. I mean, manipulation can be good in a lot of ways. And it was really cool to me having to get creative and having to figure out what variables I had to manipulate in order to get a response from a kid. Yeah. Um, that was very interesting. I do realize I probably see it as very like structured and like organized. Um, <laughs> I understand it's not always about getting a response, but a, a lot of ABA is behavior training. Mm-hmm. So I think that, um, I forgot where I was going with this. I think that w- that with that, it A taught me patience. Um yes. <laughs> yep. yeah, yeah, it taught me patience big time. Um, and it kind of taught it it, it created a stronger intuition, I think, mm-hmm. for like, you know, like moms will always say, like, oh, like you have that motherly intuition, or every woman has that motherly intuition. And I think working with kids, especially on the spectrum really helped me kind of do identify that. Yeah. Yeah, no, definitely. I definitely feel that too. Um, Because it is, have you ever worked with neurotypical kids? Yes. Yes. Um, Yeah. And I think it's, it, it, it's actually kind of crazy because like I see neurotypical kids and I'm always like, wow, man, their language is really good. Yeah. Or wow, man, the way that they respond to you is really, his eye contact is amazing. People like, look at me like crazy. I'm crazy. <laughs> but I, I think when you work with it for so long, like you're you're more, it almost seems like you don't see a lot of neurotypical kids. No, for real though. Honestly, I had one kid, like it was like, was it like in Target or something? And they, like, ran into me on accident, and I didn't, like, say anything. I just kind of, like, moved, and they, like, looked at me. It was a little kid, and they were like, I'm so sorry. I didn't mean to step on you. And I was like, oh, it's okay. And then they just, like, went back with their mom, and I was like, that was so cool that kid said that. Yeah, and, yeah. You know, like. Because we're literally <laughs> used to being walked on by children. Oh, yeah, what just, do we say when you hit Miss Ashley? <laughs> like, like, uh-oh, we can say. And then. I just like the kid just did it, just offered it up on a silver yeah. platter right in front of me. And I was like, oh, that's so good. But it's just, yeah. it's, just it's just what they knew to do. I didn't have to teach it. Right, right. And I think that surprises us when like there's something like, whoa, we don't, we don't 
have to teach. They know that. Okay. That's wild. It's, it, it is. I mean, and obviously there's a ton of neurotypical children around. I just don't know them. I'm just not, I'm just not interested. <laughs> yeah. Right. I'm just, like mm, boring. Yeah. Yeah, man. Autism is fun. It really is. It's fun. It is fun. Um, which is like, and I feel like now that I've been doing it for a minute too, like, I feel like I can like look around in a crowd and I can kind of see it. Um, yeah. Yes. Yes. I know that sure. like, you know, like obviously there's no like in the box, like face of autism, but I can, I can point it out, especially like one-on-one, -on -one, like individually, if I'm talking to somebody, I'm like, boop, I think you got a touch of it. You got a little, yeah. you got a little bit in you, don't you? Well, and I think that like goes back to your intuition too. Like yeah. now that your intuition is stronger, like it's not, yes, there, we know that there is no general look or appearance to autism, but it's not really that. It's more of a feeling that you Yeah, exactly. Uh, or patterns that you've seen. Mm -hmm. I, it, it's, I don't know. Yeah, no, I mean, I feel like, I feel like I can sniff it out sometimes. Um. <laughs> yeah. And I then, mean, I think that's, I mean, yeah, it's a good thing. I mean, why not? Especially in like older adults. And then it's like, I can't even say anything to them because I know they're going to be upset. Like personally, yeah. older adults in my family, I should say. Not yeah. Overgeneralized. I don't want anybody coming for me. Um, <laughs> but personally, my family is riddled with undiagnosed adults. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um. I've like come across a lot of people that I've worked with, uh, specifically men, which I think is just so interesting. Um, mm -hmm. Specifically men that just usually their like social skills are, are just quirky. Just quirky, <laughs> just a little different. Just quirky. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, and, and I also kind of think too, like, I guess no matter how much ABA a person gets, those quirks are never going to go away. And I don't yeah. think they're meant to, you know what I mean? Yeah. And I don't think, I don't think they really need to go away. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? Like a person is a person like I am, you know, we've talked about this before recently, um, that I am riddled with anxiety. <laughs> and like, I feel like that's just like a quirky little part of me. And for, I know for a lot of men that I know, it's, they struggle to talk about topics that they're not familiar with. Yeah. So, yeah. like, I can only talk about NASCAR so much when I yeah. only know about a man named Dale. Yeah. And that makes it hard. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, and they're, like, they struggle to, like, switch off of those topics. Yeah. Like, so it's not, it's not. It's not like you can, like, sit there and, like, transition from a new conversation. Like, you would have to let it flow very in like a structured way yeah in order to change topics yeah and then um also too like I've never actually like formally worked with adults I've only worked with little ones under the age of 12 okay so, okay like, yeah I mean I think the oldest person on the spectrum well I guess sorry my phone's barking I guess uh well sorry um I guess maybe between 18 and 30, maybe. Because, I mean, there were also a lot of guys at the developmental center that, yeah. I mean, I don't know. I worked with so many people. So, I mean, I, I'm i sure that I ran into some over the age of 18 there. Yeah. I'm sure. Um, 
So like, okay. So as an RBT, specifically an RBT, what settings have you worked in? You mentioned um, Epicenter. Have you worked yeah. in like a school setting or like in home? I hate in home. Um, have you ever worked in home? Yeah, in home, definitely. Actually, like in home is kind of where I thrived because A, it was a, it was a challenge. It's a challenge to mm-hmm. manipulate an environment that you're not familiar with. Yep. Um, but I liked that. And I also liked the community that I gained with the family. Yeah. If you have a good family and they're on board, they're on board and you are their favorite person. Um, you build contacts, you build relationships in home for me just was, I don't know. It, it, it made me super happy in clinic was great. Um, yeah, yeah. In clinic was great. It, <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Was, I like stuff a little okay. more personal. It was fine. It was a very classical experience. I mean, and you, I don't, I guess you know the kinds of, like, the reasons why I don't <laughs> like in clinic, although I don't feel like appropriate for a podcast. Um, <laughs> like, I guess you you know the reasons why. So, yeah. Yeah. That's okay. That's okay. Have you ever done any, like, community stuff? Like, I know that you mentioned... Before, I think, with the older ones that you worked with, that you, like, took them out, but, like, as an RBT specifically. Did you, like, ever have to, like, take any of, like, <sighs> your clients, like, to the park or anything? No, no, not not as an RBT. Okay. Okay. I had I had to do that, and it was stressful. Um, but it was also just kind of, like, being a part of, like, in-home, which I was already stressed out because I don't like in-home anyway. So it just was not a good time for me. Um, I've talked to other people and they really liked it. And honestly, like community just kind of seems like something that you, that you would be very good at. Yeah, that would be cool. I mean, I've always also wanted to work in a school. Um, I like the school setting. It's, it's structured and I like that. Mm -hmm. I'm not a very structured person outside of work, but I do appreciate structure in work. Yeah, same. Um, So school would, would be great. I, I think that. Yeah, it's just a big community. <laughs> I really like communities, but <laughs> you do not I really do. big ones like that. Yeah, because um. I I just feel like in a school, so many people can be on so many different pages. Yeah, some are unwilling to get on the same page. Some aren't interested. Um, and that's where like I think I would personally run into problems. Um. Yeah. Because like structure, being on the same page, sharing thoughts, sharing ideas, that that's a, that's what makes a yeah. community. There's also a lot of like politics in a school that you yeah. have to kind of like dance around sometimes. Yeah. And yeah. I just picture you just starting a revolution in the right setting. Like you're bringing down the patriarchy. Yeah, I would. Man, I'd love to. <laughs> I, I'd love to. I mean, I guess you'd have to start somewhere. I guess what the school would be ideal. Yeah. Might as well. That's- start small, go big. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. That would, that would be rough. I mean, cause even like my girlfriend works as a school-based case management, mm-hmm. um, case manager with like troubled kids. I mean, she goes into different schools. Um, she's basically like a school counselor without like the degree I got, yeah. even though she does have a degree in it. I don't know. So, but they call her a school-based case manager and like some of 
the stories that she tells me about like principles and politics and levies not being passed. It, it, to me, it just sounds like so much hell, so much red tape that mm-hmm. you have to go through. And I hate red tape. I wish there was a way that we could just get a big pair of scissors and cut it, but we can't. And like that, yeah, I don't, I don't have the patience for that kind of stuff anymore, you know? <laughs> You'd be like, no, I'm out of here. Like this needs to happen. So we're going to do it right now this way. And yeah. they'd be like, no, that's not the right hoop to jump through. Yeah. And I always just see how like stressed out my girlfriend is. Like she loves her job and she's yeah. really good at it. But I mean, no, you know, if a teacher's not on the same page and the teacher is like, why are you pulling this kid out of class? And then she's got to explain. But then to a degree, she's breaking HIPAA. It, it, it's not a good system. Like yeah, it, there needs to be less red tape and more communication, more understanding, more education. Yeah, I think that's like the big problem. Yeah. Um, that's because, you know, like I've been in a school for the past few years two different schools actually. And like, it's really hard to explain to somebody because like the teacher's classrooms that I would have to go into, they were already heightened. So they were already, the teachers were already on 10 and the kid was on 10. And then I come in and then, you know, they divert their attention to me. Um, Everything is like my fault. They're mad at me. Oh, of course. Um, Nothing I do is right. And it's just like very, very stressful. It's really hard to just take like the brunt of that and know that like there's nothing that you can really do to change their mind. And you're just like, well, I'm here for this child. So like, sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And it took a lot. It took a lot to get a lot of teachers to kind of understand, like get some kind of grasp on like what an RBT was and what ABA was and like how I was there to help them to mm-hmm. like help them like run their classrooms and I want to say it took like a better part of the year almost like the entire school year to get the teachers to like fully like understand and once they were like on board they were on board but it was so much effort that could have yeah. just been it would have been simpler for the kid and for them if they had been trained properly on ABA before the district threw us into those rooms yes yeah I agree I agree yeah Well, I mean, that's, and that's super hard because to convince grown adults of something that is beneficial, even though they don't understand it Mm -hmm. is really, really difficult. And I mean, I'm sure that there's like egos that kind of play a part in it too, Mm -hmm. unfortunately. Um, but it's just so important for the success of that kid. And it it does take education. It does. It does take training. Unfortunately, people who don't understand something typically aren't willing to learn it. Yeah. So, or that don't accept something rather aren't willing to learn it. And that's, that's hard because then now it frustrates you. It puts more stress on you because you're not supported. You don't feel like they get it. You don't feel like they're there for the kids, but or there for you. I mean, and you're in there doing your job. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that's, that's really, really frustrating. And and I, I could not do that. I don't have the patience for that because I don't like when people don't listen. You know what I mean? I was an ABA. Like, I don't like it when people don't listen. Comply. Comply. Oh, God. <laughs> and just like, especially with them, like with people being grown adults, they yeah. don't have a reason to not 
want to understand something or to not want to help a kid. Like they don't have a reason. And that's why I feel like a lot of that, like, unfortunately, kind of dives into ego. Mm -hmm. But I guess that's a totally, like, way deeper conversation than what you're looking for. But No, 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 no. It definitely (laughs) does. It's definitely, like, a big part of it. Um, Because I can't, I can't ABA adults. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Um, Not only do I just not have experience working with adults, but neurotypical grown adults who are very set in their ways and are already heightened, just aren't going to listen. They're not going to look at me. um, Somebody who was at the time in their early twenties now, you know, creeping towards the end of that anyway. And they're not going to just look at me and listen to me and like respect what I have to say. And maybe that's not right of them to do, but that's just the facts. Like that's just how it's going to be. And it just makes being an RBT in a school like that much harder. Yeah. Yeah. I bet. I bet. But I bet it has its advantages, too. Like, I bet having a classroom and a community is a lot of fun. Oh, it is. It definitely is. Like, we have, like, classroom parties, and it's just nice. <laughs> like, I really do. It really is nice. Um, it's just the adults. The adults are always the ones that get it for me. I think that's why I also don't like in home, just because of, like, adults. But, yeah. Yeah, I was gen- <laughs> generally pretty good at like being able to talk to parents. Yeah. Um, and I think like, I think the really big part of it too is like understanding human behavior in general mm-hmm. helps it easier to relate to parents. And most of it with parents, it came down to empathetic listening and validation. Yeah. And you were able to rock their world. Like mm-hmm. that's, that's really all they needed. They just, you kind of became their therapist sometimes. Yeah. And that was rewarding, too, because you knew at the end of the day, like, of course, I was just your kid's therapist, but mm-hmm. you you end up meaning a lot to that person yeah. and they confide in you and they talk to you about things. I guess that's probably why I got a I got a baby eggs. I realized I'd be a really good counselor. <laughs> you would you are going to be a good counselor. I was going to say would be, but you are going to be a good counselor. Um, yeah. Yeah. One day. One, one day. day. Yeah. Soon. So. Just say soon. It'll soon. Happen. Yeah. Soon. soon hopefully. I'll be done with school. Soon. Soon. Yeah. yeah gotta soon. pass that LSW test, man. You got yeah. it. Yeah. We'll be fine. Yeah, it'll be fine. You can do it. So you're not in RBT anymore. You're not in ABA anymore, correct? You're not in ABA? No, I'm not in ABA anymore. What you doing? So now I actually work as a court-appointed guardian for what Ohio calls them, and I'm air-quoting, wards of the state. Mm -hmm. Um, I hate that word, but that's what they're referred to as. Um, The system hasn't caught caught up yet. Um, Mm -hmm. So some of them are severely mentally ill. Most of them that we have are. Um, But some of them are just, they're, they're older, dementia, um, maybe some developmental disabilities, you know, some of them are in nursing homes, some of them are in jail. Mm-hmm. Um, some of them are in group homes. So, and they don't either, typically they don't have family or they've burnt bridges with family. Yeah. Um, so they're all over the age of 18. I think the youngest one we have is 23 and the oldest one we have is 95. 95. 95, still rocking and rolling, man. She's cute. I'm struggling here at almost 30. I can't. 
I know, right? Yes. Oh, 60 more years? Are you kidding me? Girl, please. <laughs> <laughs> I don't need to be having an existential crisis right now. I was literally just going to say that. Yeah. Okay. Ooh. Fair enough. Well, my age has just been like a topic going on in my head lately. I'm like, oh my God, I'm 28. <laughs> And then goes goes back to like the whole school thing because I feel like I've just been going to school ever since I graduated high school. I literally have been. I just one did class it. at a time, and I'm like, is this ever going to end? Why am I did so it. determined? I hear you. Same here, girl. It's it's gonna happen. It's gonna happen. Be done it just takes a real- <laughs> I'm in the same boat, girl. I ain't got no advice for that one. I'm in the same boat. Just gonna keep on keeping on, keep on trucking. It's all you can do. It's really, it's, it's literally it sometimes. <laughs> There's literally just like nothing else I could have done. Um, did you ever like think about being a BCBA? Um, yeah, I mean, a couple times, I guess. I was told that I would be good at it. Um, yeah. But it just seems like more desk work, I guess, and less involvement. Yeah. Um, and I'm definitely more like I'm not a behind the scenes girl. I mean, granted, that's a lot of what I do now, but I mean, I got to work my way up in the social work field somehow. Yeah. Um, I just I like being like one on one with the kids or with several kids. I mean, I like the I just like the direct contact. I mm-hmm. I freaking love children. Like I cannot wait to have some of my own. Like I love kids. Hmm, little Lexi. So, I mean, yeah, I know. Right. <laughs> um. So that was a big part of like what made me stay in the field is I really when you know it's one thing when adults accomplish something you know yeah. but yeah. when kids accomplish something and their face lights up and like their only goal goal in the world was to be able to complete that five piece puzzle and they completed that five piece puzzle mm-hmm. I mean it's it, it it is it's rewarding and it's beautiful to to watch the kids get it to watch them grow so. I feel like if I were a BCBA, I could see that on paper, you know, yeah. which I feel like is, yeah, that's rewarding. You know, you, you develop the plan, we implement it. The data reflects that you're looking at that data like, yeah, but it's not the same feeling. You it's know? not the same. No, that's something I'm a little bit worried about, but I don't know for sure if I'm going to do the BCBA thing or what. Yeah. Yeah. I know, well, I know for sure I'm going to be finishing school though. <laughs> Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah, that first, for sure. I mean, and if you wanted to be a BCBA, I mean, I think you would be really good at it. I think, you know, you have the patience for it. You know what not to do um, and you know what to do. Like you've had a good support system. You've had a lot of good mentors. You've worked in a lot of places. Yeah. I mean, so I think I, I personally think you would be more than OK, especially if you're working in a school because you're crafty and you're creative. And you like, you have those skills to, you have those talents to be able to like make a classroom what it should be. Thank you so much. Yeah. (laughs) Some more nice things about me. (laughs) You're, um, (laughs) you're, you're Janine Teagues. That's who you are. (laughs) Miss Teagues. You are. You really are. Oh, thank you. I really hope so. Um, and, you know, like, just the same to you, like what I said before, like, you are going to be like a really good social worker. You're very passionate yes. about things. And I think that's what has like drawn me to you is because you just like things so much. And I'm just like, yep, that's it. <laughs> there yeah. we go. We don't like a lump on a log. We like someone with some drive. Yeah. Yeah. And and I also like, I don't know. I don't, I don't like beat around the bush and I don't 
take shit. Um, And that's like, I don't know, that's an important part of who I am. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, if I ever am in a situation where like somebody is not being advocated for, they clearly need help or they're, they're not able to advocate for themselves. Like, yes, I, I will raise hell and I will go up against anybody that I have to in order to get that person what they need. Yeah. Um, now because of that, Mm -hmm. there are people that don't like me. Yeah. Well, um, (laughs) I have to. I am getting much better at finding ways to like very calmly provide education and not like get exasperated because mm-hmm. that's one thing that I've been working on like really hard in this job is just like, Lexi, you got to be able to like lay it on the line in a professional way. You can't, can't be a jerk, which sometimes is, is difficult, especially when your passion drives what you do. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, I mean, yeah, like, and I've had to learn that through, like, being an RBT is, like, just, because I've had a lot of people, not a lot of people, a good handful of people, like, not like me, just, like, as a person right off the bat, because they knew, they found out I was an RBT um, because of ABA, and they were like, no, like, you like abuse, and I was like, never. That's crazy. I was like, never would I intentionally go into something to like abuse like a great talk like, about the different ends of the spectrum and how incredibly extreme of a perspective that is yeah like i mean okay uh, oh my gosh okay so people who see it to be abuse like yeah. they probably correlate the word control with abuse mm-hmm. and they probably also think that children should learn naturally Children shouldn't be um, exposed to all of this ingrained structure. It's brainwashy. I've heard it all before, and it's all BS. Um, And I guess, sure, are there people out there who abuse it? Of course there are. There's people out there that abuse everything, if done right, if done correctly. ABA is super, super, super effective. Yeah. And if anything, I think that the field has gotten a little too, for lack of a better word, soft. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, I, I guess that's one of the big reasons why I left. Yeah. When I was told that we were no longer, we were cutting, <laughs> we were cutting out the physical props. We're cutting them. We're not doing them anymore. I looked at them like they were crazy. Because I'm unsure. Yeah. I'm unsure how you're going to be able to form that muscle movement without that muscle memory, without providing physical props. We're okay. not beating them. I think it's the idea that a, uh, a stranger or a teacher or whatever is putting hands on a child who's not there stresses people out. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I do think that I feel like the physical prompt, like removing it is because people have, almost like taking advantage of a physical prompt. So they're like, well, they said I could put my hands on this child. So that's what I'm going to do. Um, and a lot of people are unchecked in that way. Like, um, like teachers and other staff members who are, I've seen this in schools, just not for just like physical prompts, but so we're trained in like restraints. Um, and then, you know, like we only have, we only use them if the, kid is in danger, somebody else is in danger, or if there is, like, property destruction, particularly glass, so anything anyone could, like, get hurt on. 
we trained a bunch of people at Euclid, like the first year they trained a bunch of people to restrain. But then there was no like, what is the word? Like nobody like checked in on anybody after the initial training and Mm. all of these random kids were getting restrained. And their excuse was like, well, we were trained to do it, so we should be able to do it. Well, and those are the kinds of people, Ashley, that can't read a room and don't (laughs) understand what's necessary and what's not. Agreed. Those are the type of people who should probably be working in the food industry, if I'm being honest. (laughs) Like, if that's how you judge situations is to put hands on something or someone, like, you're not very smart. I mean, and maybe that sounds really mean, but I mean, if you can't find another way to manipulate your environment and get, and get that child to reach a target behavior, then you suck. Exactly. (laughs) Then you shouldn't be an ABA therapist. I think that that is a reflection of the people who um, ABA centers hire and not a reflection of ABA. Yeah, no, a hundred percent. And I think that because a physical prompt can be used effectively. I 1, think that the fear now is just like the manhandling of it. So they're just like, okay, fine, then we're just gonna cut it all out. Cause we've had I think that there's been more bad situations reported than good situations documented. So they're just oh, like, sure. okay, all done. We're gonna be all done with that. Yeah. Yeah, and and I'm sure. Think of. I mean, and really, I think when you think about it, like that physical prompt genuinely is used when a child really does not have that part of receptive language down. Yeah, like that physical prompt is strictly for muscle memory, Mm -hmm. and I think that people forget that. Yeah, they do. Um. Or they just don't understand it. I definitely think that there is a way that you can get a child to respond without having to physically prompt them. You just have to be creative. Definitely. Um, And it's just, people don't want to get creative. They just want the result now. Oh, yeah. Americans are all about convenience. Yeah. What's easiest for me? How can I make this easy? How can I... Get this done and over with. I'm sorry. I'm going on a rant now. No, you're fine. That's what this is for. Rant away. Um, but actually, so we are about to close out. Okay. So, Lexi, thank you for joining us on this episode of Behavior Text Anonymous. I like to close out with reading one of the um, ethics codes. Beautiful. Let's hear it. Okay, so we're on section two of the ethics code. It's 2.2. And it says, RBTs follow the direction of their supervisors accurately, implement behavior technician services accurately, and accurately complete all required documentation. Example, client data and billing records. So it's important, I guess. It's super important to document. Yeah. Super important to document. Documentation is everything. Gotta, you gotta document everything or you're going to end up not being able to do physical props. <laughs> right. right, exactly. <sighs> All right. But that is the end of this episode of Behavior Text Anonymous. For those listening, 
Um, I post every two weeks on Tuesdays, so every two Tuesdays. You can come back and you can hear more from behavior technicians like me and Miss Lexi.